Hey there, I'm Kevin Daisy. And I'm Eric Olson. You're listening to the Managing Partners Podcast, where we interview top lawyers about how they're growing their firms. All right, we are live for another live recording of the Managing Partners Podcast. I got a special guest today who's actually not too far away from me, just in Delaware. I'm in Virginia. Karen Keller, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, I just want to jump right into it. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got started in this field, and you know, a little bit about your journey to where you are. Sure. So my name is Karen Keller. I am a co-founder and partner at the law firm of Shaw Keller in Wilmington, Delaware. We are a boutique IP firm, but we try also complex commercial cases and in courts, not just in Delaware, although that's a frequent hotbed of IP litigation. We've tried cases in Northern District of California, Texas, at the ITC, um, and in our state courts uh, here in Pennsylvania and Delaware. I became a patent litigator a little bit by chance. I thought I was going to do pharmaceutical research, and I went to college for my biochemistry and molecular biology degree at Penn State, did research, didn't really like working all by myself in the lab all day, so met a patent litigator, or a patent lawyer, I guess, while I was at Klein Beecham doing some research, who convinced me that if I like to write and read and argue that the law might be for me and a way to apply my love of science into a different career path. So I ended up at Temple for law school, graduated there, came to Delaware to practice at a little bit of a larger firm here in Delaware for about seven years. Ten years ago this October, my partner John Shaw and I started Shaw Keller. We're now at seven lawyers, five partners, two associates, and we have four staff members like my family away from home. We all really get along well, and I think that serves not just us as a workplace, but our clients as well. So that's just Excellent. a little bit about me. I'm also a mom, <laughs> a mom and a PTO president, all the other stuff that goes along with being a mom. Uh, it might be harder than running a law firm. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. Two teenage boys, yes. <laughs> well, that's an awesome story. So really cool how <laughs> you got into it. And uh you know, now then the growth you've seen is, is great. So yeah. yeah, I have, I have two little kids myself. They're not teenagers yet, <laughs> the Lord, but they're, they're, they're getting close. So. I thought teenage would be easier. And now I'm wishing I could go back to the toddler here. <laughs> so. Well, we'll talk about that another time. Sure. <laughs> the next show, how to, how to parent. Exactly. And run a law firm. <laughs> so uh, give us a little background on like kind of your typical client, your ideal client, I guess. What's some of the challenges that they are faced with maybe prior to, maybe it's prior to coming to a firm like you are reaching out or, or what are you trying to help them prevent? Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge many clients face is they confront, um, whether it be litigation or a transactional issue and they approach a law firm or a lawyer to help them with the issue. And many lawyers and law firms, and I don't mean this necessarily as a negative, but what they will approach the problem the same way they've approached everything else. So for example, in litigation, they're gonna put their army of people on and they're gonna staff up the case and look back to other cases that they've done. Okay, we're gonna issue these interrogatories. We're gonna to stick to similar ones we've done in the past. We're gonna issue these requests for production similar to what we've done in the past. And often they don't really take 
the time to get to know the client that they're representing and what their objectives are from a business perspective and from a legal perspective. You know, different clients have different agendas. Maybe there it's a litigation, for example, where maybe on the merits, you know, there's not a whole lot there, but there's some precedential value and policy value to the client and in weeding out some issues and, and seeing what the court thinks about certain things from a defense perspective, from a plaintiff's perspective, you know, maybe there's a big business objective to keeping a certain person out of the marketplace. And you want to put on the army of people and really push with hardcore aggressive litigation. But all of that kind of understanding and relationship very early on with the client, getting to know not just the legal counsel you're working with there, but the business people that are making the decisions on what to do about products or the business itself is critical because their objectives need to align with the litigation objectives. And often that's where I see bigger firms fall away because they the, the managing partner or the relationship partner comes in very early, establishes the relationship, and then you're kind of put to the other people on the team, the, the lower level people. And they lose sight of that objective. They're focused on what they know to do, right? Follow the same old map that they've always done. So we really make it at Shaw Keller a priority to step in early on and learn not just about what's at issue in this litigation, but what the company's objectives are as a whole. What are their policies? What are their um, mantras? How do they, what's their culture like? How does their business function? And that helps every step along the way and also helps us advise them on what the best litigation approach may be, whether it's really sticking to our guns and like I said, litigating aggressively, whether it's trying to seek early motion practice to get out, whether it's trying to negotiate a settlement early. And we found that that's really worked over time. Sometimes I like to call us the special ops of litigation. <laughs> we don't have the demand size of a big firm to approach your problems. But honestly, I think it's a better approach. We're kind of mean and lean. We really take a hard look at the issues and spend the time and client's budget where it's needed and not on the extras, if you will. And we usually find that that ends up getting as good, if not better, outcomes. Uh, I love that. So it's uh, very similar to our approach, person I like to take. So we, we work with law firms when just marketing is a big no, that's what we do. That's our focus. That's our niche. And I think sometimes it's a mistake if, if uh, you go into that looking at the data and the, the levers to pull and tactical level without understanding first the, the business and what the goals are, what brings in the money, where they're trying to grow, where they have redundancy versus, you know, where a practice area. As a marketer, you're just thinking, oh, we'll just drive leads for this one practice area. Right. And that may not be viable or not even something they put much attention on, or they might not have someone to really support that. So it's really understanding the business, what the goals are and talking to that level and understanding all those things, right? Culture, right. Uh, their growth plans, and then formulating a strategy and a plan to go along with that. Exactly. Um, and checking in along the way, right? Because those priorities and objectives could change along the length of the relationship. Uh, checking in. We, we do these things called like a quarterly business review, like every mm -hmm. quarter. Like, is your business changing? Is there anything mm -hmm. we should know about? Is, um, you know, some new practice area added? Did you bring a new partner on? Right. You know, whatever it may be. Or, hey, we're, we're slammed over here, so we need to make a change. 
uh, right. and right. adjust. So yeah, constantly checking in and moving and pivoting as you need to. Sure. I love that. So what are some of the challenges or I'm not challenging, uh, sorry, not challenges, mistakes <laughs> that you see that maybe the clients have made before they called you or kind of you wish they hadn't done prior to, to reaching out? So I don't always blame it on the client. I think some of it, it can be blamed on the lawyers, outside lawyers as well. And that's, you know, especially with an established longstanding client and that's being proactive and checking in with them, right? What's going on? What can we think about now that can help us later? Providing updates as to what's happening in the case law that might be helpful to them to know that's relevant to their business. Or we see this new regulation or statute coming into play. Have you thought about this when you're drafting new contracts? Have you considered this um, before you go into litigation? So that's some of it. And we keep up with a lot of that to proactively on our, we have a, blog, a firm blog, IP it's ipde.com, it's ipdelaware.com. And that's one of the ways in which we try to prevent those issues from popping up with clients because they're constantly being reminded through our blog of, of ways, items to think about. But also, um, I think the biggest thing, they, they wait too long, I guess is my question. They wait till that lawsuit is filed or till, the, till it's a problem. So thinking about things ahead of time can really fix things later down the road, right? Because we can start, even if you haven't been sued yet, there are things you can start doing proactively to set yourself up for a better position later in litigation. If you have some idea it's coming, if you have no idea it's coming down the pike, that's a whole nother issue. And then there's not really anything you can do about it. But even pre-planning can help with budget later with, aside from, you know, the substantive issues in the litigation. Excellent. So <clears throat> I heard that the client's always right. Blame the other lawyers, uh, but be proactive. Yeah. Try to get ahead of, ahead of things if you can. Right. Well, I hope everybody, I'll check out the blog. I will have to take a look at that myself yeah. and uh, I'll get the link posted up here shortly for that. Uh, so people can link to it. I can do it after the show too. We do have a question that just came in. We'll hit on that real quick before I get to my next questions. This is from Sean Ragsdale. My dad wants to be a farmer. Are seeds considered intellectual property? <laughs> it's funny that you asked that. I actually have represented a number of agricultural companies in litigation over patents. And the answer is maybe. It depends. As to the typical lawyer, I would want to talk to somebody about what exactly related to the seeds you're patenting. But they can, there are instances in which they can be, and there are plant patents as well that address other aspects of protecting the IP. That was a good question because that's not something I thought you could probably have <laughs> an IP on. It depends. But, hey, but yeah, I mean, I guess thinking about seeds, I'm thinking about my yard. Yeah, you, know, you got the, the coated seeds. Uh, Scott says mm -hmm. some probably proprietary. You, know, you see it a lot coating. with like vegetable seeds, like corn seeds and genetically modified, especially type seeds. Interesting. All right, Sean, I hope that answers your question. Let's call Karen and set up an appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Consultation, if you will. Yeah, definitely need to know, know more. All right, excellent. Thank you. Okay, so how do you get clients? That's a big question right here. So how do you, how do you guys get clients? And I'm sure there's various ways, referrals probably being one of them, but uh, what are some of the ways you get clients and from a marketing perspective too, what have you done that you feel has uh, worked well? You mentioned the blog, that might be. Yeah, so 
It's a hard question to answer because I definitely think law firm marketing is different for every firm. It's different for every individual. And you have to tap into what you're good at, right? Like not every lawyer is great at going out and shaking hands and meeting people, socializing, whining and dining. I, I love to do that kind of stuff. As why I reached out to you guys about the podcast, you know, I love talking and meeting new people and learning things, not just about them, but about what they like to do, what, you know, what they're like outside of their lawyer life, which I think developing that personal connection is very important to establishing longer term relationships. That said, I think you also have to be ready that today's meeting is not going to result in a representation tomorrow, which is unnatural for a lot of people. You know, you have to foster that relationship over time. So ways that I do that is I reach out on email and just say, hey, how are you? How are things going? Maybe remember something from meeting them previously that I check in on. Oh, how was that trip for your vacation? How are your kids doing? How was their baseball tournament? Something like that. Just to check in and remind them that I'm here, but that I'm also interested not just in what they do and their business, but them personally. And then there's the business check-ins that I mentioned earlier, like, hey, I saw this case, thought of you, or remember that case you worked on about this issue? Here's another case where this just came up. During COVID, I, I was a big fan of sending cards, whether it be handwritten or e-cards, just you know, putting smiles on people's faces, trying to uplift their spirits during what was a pretty trying time. Our blog is another big thing. Any way, time you can get your voice, your name out there associated with substantive issues. So the blog, I work very closely with something called the Sedona Conference on some of it, which is more of like a nonpartisan, best way I can describe it as think tank where they bring leaders and practice areas together to try to move the law forward in a non-biased way. So I work with them. I work with other organizations like CHIPS, which is an intellectual property group, all women that discuss both substantive issues and issues affecting diversity and women in the law. So anytime you can get involved with groups that you can enjoy being with and learning from, but also contribute to is helpful. You guys, you focus uh, on SEO, uh, Google rankings, and you have the blog, of course, and that, that was a separate web address than your, mm-hmm. your main site, correct? Yep. Yes. It's IPP.com. Um, and do you have those, and this is your main web address here. Yes. Do you have those interlinked at all or they link should from your, be your main site? They link on our website, yes. Excellent. Okay, excellent. So, so and of course, you work with people from all around uh, since you're, you're doing IP, but... Uh, so I guess from from an SEO standpoint, if you're looking to rank Google and, and come up on the results, you're really focused. You're not really focused geographically whatsoever. So it, it definitely makes it a little more challenging. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I, yeah, I definitely think if you do SEO on our firm, Delaware is probably what will pop up the most because that's the majority of our casework is there. But we do, I mean, I would say maybe 80% of our cases are in Delaware and the rest are flattered about. And that depends on the year. One year, we hardly had any work in Delaware. We were at the ITC, Texas, and California all in the same year, and very little in Delaware. So a question I just thought about. So a lot of a lot of companies incorporate in Delaware, whether or not they're physically there. That's right. But so is, do you think that's where a lot of the work may come from, from yes. those kinds of so companies? Or? From corporate and patent litigation perspective, most companies end up 
in litigation in Delaware because it's easy to get jurisdiction over them from being incorporated here. And they incorporate here because they know they're going to get some consistency in the law, or at least there's a lot of cases and case law to rely on to know how to evaluate their risk. So that's kind of why Delaware is such a fun place to be litigated. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I never, never thought about that before. But yeah, by, uh, Sean, who uh, asked that question earlier, he said, smiling face. So you're welcome, Sean. I guess you answered. <laughs> guess we're good there. So, Karen, what's you know what's kind of the outlook? What's the the next three to five year plan look like? What are you what are you trying to accomplish? Grow the firm, nice slow steady growth. What, what do you what do you see coming, and uh, what are you guys prepared for? Yeah. So, for a small firm, slow steady growth, very thoughtful growth is always. A, an important focus. You can't grow too big too fast, and you have to think about where is litigation headed five years, 10 years down the road. Because if it's really busy this year, that doesn't necessarily mean next year. So I don't want to staff up a whole big office and then have nothing for them to do. So we're very laser focused on growing carefully. I do think we'll continue to grow. I don't see us being a firm much bigger than 15 people, 15 lawyers, and that would be really long-term just because we left big firm life to get away from the big firm politics and the big firm bureaucracy. So that small team feel we want to try to keep, and we really feel strongly that that 15 number is pretty much the make or break between that big firm or bigger firm mindset and the small family firm look like culture that we left. Our 10 year anniversary is coming up. I'm sure we'll celebrate that as a firm and with our clients as well. Um, it is a big step for us. It was real scary when we left and went out on our own 10 years ago, but our clients have been hugely helpful and we are appreciative of them putting their trust in us. And our co-counsel that we work with from all over the country has been with us through these years too. So we definitely want to make sure we send them our appreciation in some way or another. And then just getting back in the office and being with each other again in the next year or so. I think we're planning to go back right after Labor Day in some format or another. Our courts are already back in person. So we have some people going into the office when they have hearings. But when you're on a small firm team like ours, we really thrive on meeting in the middle of the kitchen center to chat about an issue that came up in the case or calling an impromptu ping pong tournament in our conference room. <laughs> That's our culture. And so taking that away and putting everyone in their little hobbles at home was different and it worked and we've been successful doing it, but it's not why we got into this. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. And congrats on the 10 years. And, uh, you know, the first couple of years, five years, that's that's a challenge to get past that. So it sounds like you guys are good to go. Yeah. It's probably scary at first, but I think that's way past you. And, and for the office, we, you know, we're kind of on the same page. Uh, my business partner, I'm sure, is tuned in. But we have an office, and that, that helped really build our business and create the culture that we have. You know, we debated, do we go back to the office at all? And, and so we're kind of have a hybrid model at this point, but, but we felt the office was, was important and that, you know, we don't want to go away from it for too long that we can't maintain, you know, the culture that we have. Right. And actually I know he's watching cause he asked a question. There you go. We have a question in from Eric J. Olson, one of the founders of Ray Digital here. All right. Is chromatography used in products other than liquids and fragrances and as an example in a new, in new cars? 
So I've done a couple of cases involving chromatography. Chromatography is typically an analytical method used to analyze samples. So, and there's different forms of chromatography, whether it's liquid chromatography, high pressure liquid chromatography, mouthful. So <laughs> used in cars, I'd have to look into it, but usually it's more of on the analytical side to analyze a sample, whether it be a pharmaceutical sample or a liquid sample of some sort that you wanted reconstruct and see what's inside of it. Yeah, I was going to say the definition of that word. I can't quite, I think it's, is it the separation of something and substance. Yeah. So usually like you <laughs> chemical and break it down like a, a biological <laughs> product of some sort and you can, or chemical, you can break it down and look at parts. We'll have to have Eric come on and give us a chemistry lesson. <clears throat> I can't remember all that stuff, but uh, <laughs> all right, that's your answer, Eric. Look it up. <laughs> Okay, well, anything else you want to add? You got your 10-year anniversary. Other big yeah. things. You're going back to the, you're going back to the office um, after Labor Day. We're back yeah. in our office as of this week, other than me, because I'm not there. But, yeah, so we're, we're getting things back to normal. So. No, no, nothing else I'd like to add. Thank you for having me. If anyone needs any insight into Delaware litigation or IP practice generally, feel free to reach out to me, or even if you just want to talk to me generally about the weather or um, any other She's open. yeah and I'm, I'm definitely open i would love to mentor other women and other young lawyers whether they be male or female in the in the world on how to start their own firm how to become successful in ip that sort of thing well excellent um yeah we and we hope the show i mean honestly is uh, for other managing partners or aspiring you know partners that want to you know one day start their own firm and we like to bring people on like you that are successful and have done that and hope they can learn some things uh, as they tune in. So the best way to contact you, I got your website address here, uh, is LinkedIn or anything else. Is there another way that people can reach out to you? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, just Karen Keller at Shaw Keller. I think it's like LinkedIn and then hashtag, or not hashtag, what's slash Karen Keller 2 or something like that. Well, she's anyway. also, you'll be tagged on this post uh, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and, and then uh, our website is probably the easiest way to reach Excellent. Well, Karen, thanks so much for coming on and, and sharing all that. Yeah, glad to see things going back to normal. Congrats on the success and uh, cheers to future success. So Yeah, have a great summer and thanks again. All right, we'll see you soon. Thanks.